Friends, I'm going to share my heart openly today about Christians in the political world and take your calls on a wide variety of subjects. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast, friends. This is Michael Brown, and we are audio only today. So everyone listening on radio, podcast, same as ever. Those who are watching on Facebook or YouTube, just imagine my smiling face, because that's what you get. Always smiling, glad, thrilled to be here, actually, and glad to take your calls. And here's what we're going to do. It's an unusual week. It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, Everything goes a little differently with people in town and broadcasting and so on. We've got a special broadcast prepared for you tomorrow that I believe will really bless and stir you. But I'm going to open the phone lines wide today, like I do on a Friday. I'm going to do it today. There's ground I want to cover. There's subjects I want to talk about. But I'm going to open the phone lines wide for anything you want to ask me about, talk about 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884 is the number to call. Again, just to give you extra opportunity uh, to call in if you're unable on Friday or with Thanksgiving or other things going on. So once more, 866-348-7884. I am in Dallas, Texas, and I uh, spoke yesterday morning at uh, Lifestyle Encounters Church for Todd White and then spoke to the student body, first, second, and third-year interns today and again tomorrow before flying home, God willing. And the focus here as I'm ministering is, is yesterday I spoke about the gospel being made for hard times and how in Jesus we're overcomers and tried to give us a bit of a reality check in America where we're not used to suffering for the faith and our mentality is often very different than the mentality of Christians in other parts of the world that, that know following Jesus may cost them everything. So I spoke about that yesterday morning, a strong word and a word of encouragement that in Jesus, in Yeshua, we are overcomers. That, yes, the world is against us, but, but what does Paul say in Romans 8.37, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He starts with shall tribulation, trouble in some translations, but tribulation, the very thing we're always concerned about, going through tribulation. He says, hey, that can't separate you from the love of God in Messiah Jesus our Lord. And then this morning, I spoke to the students about laying foundations in their lives, the foundations of, of the word and prayer and godly character, and then brought a message called Acharit. The, it's probably the most intense message I preach, something I've been preaching for decades. As I, It opened up to me in the book of Proverbs many years ago, a message that's literally saved my life, the final consequences of sin and righteousness shared on that, and they embrace things with an open heart. So I haven't been focused on the political scene while I'm here. I know that there remains turmoil all around us. The nation is shaking over this, and many saying, look, the election was stolen. How come you're not aggressively pushing for it? Others saying, are you crazy to believe these conspiracy theories? Of course it wasn't stolen. And what I've said consistently is that I've had people close to the president assure me that there's fraud, and others from other angles say it's crazy to believe it because I do not have access to the information myself. 
I do not have secret ways to review things to tell you if what Sidney Powell is saying is accurate or if it's crazy. What I've said consistently is I do not know either way for a fact. Now, can you tell me you know for a fact either way all the details of what happened? But I'm confident that everything will flush out. I'm confident that if the election was stolen, so many people would have had to be involved in it. If that was the case, then for sure, for sure, if that was the case, then there's going to be evidence. It, it will come out. It cannot be hidden. And, and if there was not sufficient fraud to change the election, then, then that will be manifest as well. And that so many people are praying that I'm confident God's will will be done. But, but here's what concerns me. And, and please hear me as I speak. Remember who I am. Don't suddenly put me in the enemy category if I say something that you don't like or upsets you. I am not trying to play both ends against the middle. And, and think of it, there is no reason for me to. I'm not like in the president's inner circle. It's not like if I say something against the president, I'm going to lose my stand. I have no standing. I, I don't, I'm not part of the faith council. I've never met with the president. The one time I was invited to the White House with other uh, Christian leaders a couple years back, we didn't meet with the president. We met, we met with other folks, all right? So it's not like, well, I've got this special relationship with the president and I have to preserve it. And on the flip side, the last thing I'm thinking is that Joe Biden, if, if he's our next president, is going to say, oh, Dr. Brown, we'd love to get your counsel. So I'm not, it's not like I'm trying to accomplish anything. Nor am I trying to show how reasonable I am, how spiritual I am, how balanced I am. No, I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord and identify what I can see, all right? What, what I do know, what, what is clear. Here, look at it like this. We're in a car together, and we're going to be late for getting to the airport. It's critical we get on this plane to get to a place. I mean, it's one of these really high-pressure situations, right? We're stuck in the car. There's a, a big accident, traffic jam. We're in, we're, I can't tell you how far ahead it is. We can't see and what our alternatives are. And people start flipping out and panicking in the car. What I can do is deal with our attitude right then. Or if I start flipping out, someone can deal with my attitude. That's what we do see. That's what we do know. And what I do see is Christians really getting obsessed with the elections. You say, you don't know how high the stakes are. I do know, friends. I've been writing about it and speaking about it daily for months and months and months. I do know. I do understand. I'm aware of, of the issues. I've spoken about them quite freely, quite frequently, quite openly in, in all different media settings. I'm aware. And I understand that there's a spiritual battle for the nation. But some are getting so obsessed and so worked up. It's as if God's not on the throne and Jesus isn't Lord. And, and I've, I've even I've, I've watched presentations where people are literally calling down curses. I mean, using scripture for asking God to curse and destroy our enemies, all right? And, and using that against those that they believe have stolen the elections, as if we're supposed to call down fire from heaven on those that we think are doing evil. Do you know right now, as I'm speaking, how much evil is being committed on the earth? Do you know right now, as I'm speaking, how many atrocities are, 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 are taking place on the earth? Right now, as I'm speaking, there's some parent abusing a child. 
there's someone stealing from another person. There's somebody raping someone. There's somebody kidnapping someone. There's someone plotting war, assassination. As I speak, all over the world, all kinds of evil is being committed. All right? And, and yet, God is not destroying the whole earth. He's being merciful. Oh, there, there is judgment, and there will be final judgment, and, and there will be wrath poured out. There's no question about that. But the idea that we are to call down curses on people and, and call down their destruction is so far from the heart of God, so far from a New Testament spirit. You say, well, you're just weak. Look me in the eyes and tell me I'm weak. Look me in the eyes and tell me I'm compromised. Go out on the mission field with me and risk your life side by side with me for preaching the gospel and lose stuff that I've lost for taking a stand and then call me weak. Come on, friends. What's happened to... We've gotten obsessed with the political spirit. Some obsessed that Trump has to be in, some obsessed that Trump has to be out. And that's become the focus of our lives. And the focus of our lives is not preaching Jesus. And the focus of our lives is not making disciples. And it's certainly not loving our enemies. I I wrote about this over the weekend. I'm I'm sure on some sites that went live today. The question, should we call down fire on our enemies? And some people are saying, yes, absolutely, we do. I'm glad people didn't call down fire on me when I was an enemy of the gospel as a sinful teenager. I'm glad people didn't call down fire on my friend Yesu Padam when he was a Naxalite terrorist in, in India, Marxist terrorist in India, committing atrocities against the rich. I'm glad fire wasn't called down on, on him. I'm, I'm glad my guest I had on a few weeks ago, uh, Taz Sada, I'm glad that fire wasn't called out on him when he was an assassin for Yasser Arafat. I mean, he and Yesu Padua and others love Jesus dearly today and have done an amazing amount of good with their lives. But some of us have gotten so caught up with the political spirit as if America is bigger than the kingdom of God and the elections are, are, are bigger than the Great Commission. Friends, we, we need a reset here. We really do. We've lost our focus. In, in many, many ways. So by all means, contend in prayer for justice and righteousness. By all means, pray for God's will to be done. By all means, do that. But friends, where's our faith? Where's our confidence in God? Have we, have we put our trust in a person or a system, or have we put our trust in God? So please hear me. These are the words of a friend, not an enemy. And the words of someone that voted for Trump in 2016 and 2020. But you'll notice, at the same time voting for him, I've been shouting from the rooftops, he's not our savior. And people get mad at me for saying that. How can you say he's not our savior? Who thinks he's our savior? Why are you mad at me for saying that? I'll ask the same question I've asked again and again. If you don't look to him as a savior figure, why are you upset at me for saying he's not our savior? If I say Franklin Graham's not our savior, you won't get mad at me. If I say Michael Brown's not our Savior, you won't get mad at me. If I name your church pastor, he's not your, our Savior, you won't get mad at me. Why get mad at me for saying that? If I say Joe Biden's not our Savior, Mike Pence is not our Savior, nobody gets mad. I say Donald Trump is not our Savior, nobody says he's our Savior. Why are you getting mad about that? And, and why are you making this if the fate of the free world hangs on these elections? He's a fallen, flawed man who needs Jesus to work deeply in his life like many others. And with all the good he's done, there's collateral damage. So my trust has never been in a person or in the political system. 
we work within it, but my trust is not in it. So please hear me, friend. These are, these are words spoken in love, but words of concern. Words spoken in love, but words with a heart that's been burdened. And not that I alone have it right. Dr. Michael Brown alone has the right balance message. No, God forbid. We all have pieces of the puzzle. We all have parts that we offer. But this is a part I can offer. We have been obsessed with politics in an all-consuming way. And I would dare say we have prayed far, far, far more for the outcome of the elections than we've prayed for the harvest, for missions, for the Great Commission. Far, far more. Hey, do you differ with me? Give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH. Do you agree? Weigh in. But if you have any question of any kind, I'm going to take general questions as well. Phone lines are open. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, audio only. Coming your way live from, oh, greater Dallas area. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Any question of any kind, and plus you can weigh in whether you agree with what I've said or differ with what I've said. But please understand, friends, that our greatest issue here in America is our witness. For us as followers of Jesus, the number one priority is is that we love God, we love our neighbor, that, that we are faithful to the Great Commission. Obviously, we raise our families in a godly way. We seek to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. But the key, the key point, the key point is is that we must be above reproach. We must shine like lights in dark places. And many of us are far more known for our political views, be we Republican, Democrat, or whatever. We are far more known for the candidate that we vote for or support or defend than we are known as followers of Jesus. And there's an unhealthy mixture, as, as my friend Joe Matera says, that we, we've clothed the gospel and the American flag. America is just one country among many. Greatly influential, done a lot of good, done a lot of bad. That's the reality. We've exported good around the world. We've exported bad around the world. We're a country, part of this world. And Jesus died for Americans like everywhere else. But the world does not revolve around America the world revolves around the kingdom of God, and, and we are kingdom people first to then come into this world with a mission. And you may be placed in America, you may be placed in China, you may be placed in Vietnam, you may be placed in Mexico, but we have been placed where we are in this generation with a primary commission, which is to make disciples, to be disciples and make disciples. All right, that, that is our divine priority to know God, and to make him known. Everything else is secondary. You say, well, why even think about politics at all? Well, because we live in this world, and decisions that are made in the political realm affect us every day. They affect our day-to-day lives. They affect our freedoms. They affect righteousness issues. They affect it whether we had slavery in America. They affect whether we have abortion now in America. 
They affect lots of things. They affect the world around us and how other nations are treated or whether they're helped or whether they're hurt. Those are, those are all, all important issues, uh, and, and therefore we are involved. But the great goal is that we have freedom to preach the gospel. Right? Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, where he, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, where he encouraged prayer for kings, rulers, right? those in authority? You didn't have a democracy or a democratic republic. You couldn't vote. You couldn't really do anything to change the government. You had these dictators and tyrants. But he said, pray for them, kings, rulers, all in authority. Why? That we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and honesty, and, and that God would save them because God desires all men to be saved. So the point is we're praying for them for their salvation, but we're also praying for them for our benefit so that we can live peacefully and preach the gospel and live our lives out. So if we can have an environment where we're not being thrown in prison for our faith, all the better. If we can have an environment where our kids are not being taken from us by the government, all the better. If we can have an environment where we're not being killed or tortured for our faith, all the better. And yet, to the extent we have comfort, ease in America, to that extent we often become complacent and we lose our cutting edge, we lose our passion, we lose our fervor. It's almost as if if we could step out of this world and step into God's heavenly kingdom and see eternity and, and see the fruit of our labors here in this world and then be put back in this world, we'd live very differently because our perspectives would change dramatically. You know, People have come after me, no, you're talking like this now to be in Trump's water board for four years. I've been the same. Read the articles, read the books, listen to the broadcasts, watch the videos. I've been the same. I voted for a man, but I've had reservations. I've said he's done a lot of good. I've said there's collateral damage. And I said, ultimately, my job is to point you to Jesus. I've been saying as the elections are getting closer, my job is to point you to Jesus. I'm, I'm not a conservative political talking head. That's not my primary calling. I'm called to address political cultural issues as a follower of Jesus, as a minister of the gospel. So, of course, I'm going to be pointing us in a certain direction. That's why I'm here. So it's not playing both ends against the middle. It's, it's a matter of seeking to be consistent. And my ultimate loyalty is never going to be to a man or a party. It's going to be to the Lord. And then to the extent that party or that person is, is willing to promote things that I believe are important for our nation and in harmony with what I believe, then I'll back them. But it's always in a secondary way because the only one that gets my whole heart, my whole soul, your whole heart, your whole soul is the Lord. Is that making sense? 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to the phones and we'll start with Kathy in Ankeny, Iowa. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you so much. I, I wanted to use my one phone call to say thank you again, day in and day out, for trying to bring people to the realization that God should be first in your life. You do that every day. You do that every day. I would love to be able to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about different things that I have questions about. But for today, I just wanted to say that we as a people, we need to start speaking up for our faith, for the Lord, for Jesus, instead of um, fighting at each other and sitting on our hands and then having a lot to say, why are we not out there? You're out there. You are talking about how we are to love one another. We've had the conversation about the root of racism 
is Satan. The, the polar opposite of racism is God. And if people had their eyes on the Lord, we wouldn't have the problems in this country that we have. So I wanted to say that. I did want to say, you know, we need to look, we, we also need to know our history. We need to know our history. What happened? What happened to people back in Roman papal power time? What happened to 50 million Christians? We enjoy a freedom in this country to be able to worship the Lord, our God who created this universe. We also need to speak up for him. We, we need to be witnesses. We need to be disciples, like he yeah. told us to be. You and Kathy, are doing to, that. Yeah, just to, to, to jump in, and, and thank you again for your kind words. I, I remember the Ankeny uh, location, so I, I do remember your kind words, as you've called previously. Really appreciate it. I, I think it's so important that we think about Christians living in other parts of the world, under persecution, under tyrants, under dictators, and ask, how is it they manage to thrive in Jesus in the midst of the chaos, the storm? There is a way, friend. There is a way. There is grace. And, and we must not just trust our government to keep us safe. We have to determine we're going to preach Jesus no matter what. And it could be that some negative things happening and some attacks on our freedoms are the very things needed to wake us up to stand. Think of pastors standing boldly now that weren't standing like this before COVID. Now they feel that the government's regulations are oppressive and things like that, and they are they are pushing back. 866-34-TRUTH. I'm going to go back to the phones in a moment. Um, a question on Twitter from Mad Dog. A kid's pastor at our local church wants to use Black Lives Matter as the basis for the upcoming Bible teaching for our online kids' sermon series. Should I send a 10-minute clip explaining the organization ties to Marxism, witchcraft, and goal to dismantle the nuclear family? Yes, have him separate from that organization and have him teach things about racial harmony and equity and justice and, and where we need to make sure everyone is treated equally and fairly. Yeah, but by all means, I would, I would have him uh, distance himself from that and make, make sure he understands what that is about. And Zipzilch, nada, a question about Mosaic Law. I've heard and read a few stances on this particular issue, but I'd like to hear what you have to say. A man finds a damsel as a virgin, which is not betrothed, lay hold on her, lie with her, and they be found. Then the man uh, will give the, okay, so w- what, what happens is, yes, there are instances where the Bible is talking about the rape of a woman, but you have to understand that in much of the world, the shame and honor culture is such that if a woman is raped, no one will marry her. She can never have children. She's kind of an outcast. So a way to protect the woman was to say if a man does that, then he is required to marry her if the father wants that. So it's still up to the daughter and the father. But it's a way to protect her and to guarantee that he treats her as a wife and not just as a sexual object. So it may sound strange to our ears, but that's something that had relevance in that culture. Um, All right, tell you what, I'm going to go straight to the phones on the other side of the break. And just a reminder... We've got some really important email announcements going out uh, at the end of the year and some special resources we're making available. If you don't get my emails, go to the website, askdrbrown, askdrbrown.org, and you'll see it takes you about 30 seconds. Just put in your email and, and your first and last name, address if you want, but just put in that basic info, 
and you'll get on our email list. This way you'll stay on top of my latest articles, latest videos, key things that are getting out will be a blessing to you. And when you sign up, you also get a free mini book. Yes, yeah, Seven Secrets of the Real Messiah, a real eye-opener. It's based on many years of study, just condensed into a neat little ebook for you. So go to the website, askdrbrown, askdrbrown.org. We come back. I'm going straight to your calls. And feel free, again, any subject you want to talk to me about, great. But if you, if you take issue with what I'm saying about some of the political situation and, and how we have put our hearts into things too much, to the point of even losing the heart of God for those we differ with, feel free to call in if you differ with me. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, audio only today, teaching at, at Todd White's uh, Bible School, Ministry School, and doing that again tomorrow. We've got a great show coming your way. It will be audio and video tomorrow. But for those watching, just imagine the smiling face that's behind the mic. 866-34-TRUTH, and let us go to Daniel in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Uh, you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I just, kind of a very simple question. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, is there any way that us as Christians can overthink, I guess, walking with God? And I'll just give a very brief example um, I recently went to an apostolic church, uh, not really knowing anything, and, uh, you know, people coming up to me and talking about, oh, I need to be—I've been baptized and all those things, but specifically not in Jesus' name. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. And um, they always tell me, oh, you're in the right place, or, you know, it seems like every church that you go to, they always say you're in the right place, even though it seems like Scripture— would go against what they say, and I guess that kind of goes with, you know, can we overthink, walk with God, or, you know, things of that nature, and if you could touch on uh, also baptism in Jesus' name. Yeah, so number one, of course we can overthink things. We can overthink anything in life. We can overthink uh, which road we should take driving somewhere. We, sh we can overthink what restaurant to go to. We could overthink to wear a mask or not, or, to, you know, anything we can overthink. Uh, the key thing is to be at a place of peace before God where you put you don't turn your brain off, you don't turn your mind off, but you give everything to God, you, you give him every concern, every weight, every issue, you lay it out, you ask for his wisdom, for his direction, for his guidance, trusting that he will do that, and, and then you're at peace. You, you don't try to figure out everything you can't figure out. And God is so much greater than our greatest thoughts. As for these churches that say you must be baptized in Jesus' name, of course, it's a misreading of Matthew 28, where we're told to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And they say, well, Jesus is the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, which is clearly not the case scripturally. Jesus is not the name of the Spirit, not the name of the Father. Uh, we know the early church 
from early documents preserved, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we know in the book of Acts, there are phrases like baptized into Jesus or into the name of Jesus. It's talking about coming into his body or being baptized while calling on his name for salvation as opposed to the formula that's spoken over someone. So that's, uh, that's not overthinking. That's just incorrect understanding of Scripture there. Hey, thank you for the call. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Ted in Apple Valley, California. Welcome to the line of fire. Uh, thank you, Dr. Brown. I just wanted to give a clearer inter- um, interpretation of Luke twelve fifty nine, where it says, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. I'm an ex-Catholic and everything else, and, and I consider myself more of a Christ follower than a religious-type title. And I want to, um, I just want to kind of get a, that's kind of always kind of bugged me, and I just want to get a clearer in, interpretation of that scripture. Right, so this, the, this has nothing to do with, with purgatory. There is no such concept in, in the Bible. We know that Hebrews 9.27 tells us it's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. We, we see that in, in Luke, the 16th chapter, that uh, at death there are those that are with uh, Abraham, Abraham's bosom, and those that are in Hades, so one comforted, the other judged. There's no purgatory there. We see through the teaching of Jesus that there's a future resurrection, uh, some to life, some to, to judgment, Daniel 12 teaches the same thing. There'll be a future resurrection. Those sleeping in the dust of the earth will arise, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting reproach. So the concept of, of a place where you go until you finish paying for your sins, that's the case you never get out because either Jesus paid for our sins or we're paying for them. It can't be both. If we're paying for them, we'll never get out. If he paid for them, we don't need to pay for them. And, and all, all that Luke 12 is, is talking about uh, is is making things right with people. It is nothing to do there with eternal salvation or purgatory or any such thing. Um, the same when, when it, it occurs in Matthew's Gospel. Why don't you judge for yourself what is right? If you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge. The judge turn you over to the officer. The officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you'll not get out until you paid the last penny. So if if I have a debt to you, and, and I don't make arrangements to pay it, and this guy's, you're going to take me to court. Well, there is debtor's prison. You'd be thrown in debtor's prison in, until you paid off the last debt. That's all it is. It's saying fix things while you can. Don't, don't let some relationship issue uh, simmer and get worse, and, and now uh, it's going to be very, very costly. But the idea of Christians paying for their sins, I mean, where is that taught anywhere in the New Testament? Uh, where is there an, an alternative place uh, that's spoken of? It's, it's just not there. It's a later tradition that's brought in, and it's, it's certainly not what Scripture teaches. And if you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If, your sins, if, if I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, if there's a purg- purgatory, is it to perfect me? or It's certainly not to pay for my sins. And this parable, uh, this illustration of Jesus, is talking about paying uh, you can't get out till you pay the last penny. So clearly nothing that applies to us as believers, and you need to kind of shelve that for good and, and, and be absolutely uh, strong in your own heart and faith that, that if you're right with God, you're with him forever because of what Jesus did. Hey, thank you, Ted, for calling in. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, before I go back to your calls, 
Uh, Andres on Twitter asked, what do you think are the weakness and strength of the current Calvinist and Reformed revivals? How long or how much do you think it will affect churches? So for, I don't know, last 20 years or so, there's been a, a real surge towards Calvinism uh, in America, especially. I can't say how much in other nations. And in my view, part of it is a reaction to the extreme man-centered gospel in America or the idea that God's on one side and Satan's on the other and we cast the deciding vote, you know, as if God is just hoping that we get it right. So I see it as, as a, a pushing back to, to the sovereignty of God and the, the lordship of God and, and in that sense kind of a course correction, but in my view, one that goes too far. Uh, and, and, of course, then you have many that pass through, you know, the young, restless, and reform. They pass through. They pass back out. They don't fully get the Calvinist system. So I see something positive in that there's a swinging away from, from this view of God just kind of sitting on the throne, hoping and wishing, and man runs the show, you know, a wrong teaching and emphasis here in America— uh, but obviously, as someone who is not a Calvinist but was from 7782, uh, I'm, I'm happy when things uh, shift back and in, in a way that I think is, is a, a more fully sound and healthy biblical perspective. And to my dear friend James White, if you're riding now, you can focus back, keep your eyes on the road again. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. James and I are buddies. We've debated Calvinism for those who are wondering. All right, let's go to Lanessa in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Thank you for calling the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Are you able to hear me? Oh, I can, yes. (laughs) Hello. I just wanted to say thank you. Um, Something that you said when I got in my car, um, it really resonated with me strongly because I've been listening to certain stations, and I'll just, you know, be honest, as a person of color, sometimes it's not, um, you don't always, you know, hear stations that speak purely about Christ and what it is that he wants. Um, So something that you did say, it did resonate with me, and I just wanted to say I agree with that, and I thank you um, for doing that. You said that God is in control and the government is not. So regardless of who we choose to you know, vote for, I feel ultimately God is going to have his way. And ultimately, we need to focus on, you know, what it is that he wants us to do as Christians, you know. So I just, when that, that I just want to say thank you, because I certainly agree with it. And um, it's just something that, you know, makes it so that it's acceptable to everyone. If you're a Christian, regardless of your political beliefs and views, it's just, we're talking about Jesus primarily. So thank yeah, you for and, that. And that's, yeah, thank you. I mean, look, when I wrote Evangelicals at the Crossroads, where we passed the Trump test, one of the parts of the Trump test, in my view, was can we unite around Jesus even if we divide over Trump? And, and right. we've really failed that test badly. I mean, we've, we've, we have divided as believers over political right. views. And then you mentioned being a person of color. So overwhelmingly, uh, white evangelicals voted Trump and black evangelicals right. voted, voted Biden. And, right. and obviously I have issues, you know, I, I voted a certain way and I, I have reasons for it, but I wrote a Absolutely. chapter in a book for a colleague explaining why many black Christians vote Democrat, even though they're, they're pro-life and they're, they're anti-homosexual marriage and all that. And right. so I, I differ, but I, I understand, bottom line is, 
we don't judge one another's salvation over it. We, we have different emphases when we vote and, and we think this is more important than that. But we've savaged each other. I mean, we're cruel to each other. We, we judge each other's salvation over it. And the world is watching. And, and, and we're destroying yeah. our witness and testimony before the world. So we, we got to be brothers and sisters in Jesus and make that first and foremost and then have our political discussions and then go side by side and go preach the gospel to our neighbor. I mean, that's what yeah. America needs from us. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Hey, God I, bless you. you. Thank you. Thank God thank bless you. you. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go over to Greensboro, North Carolina. Monique, welcome to the line of fire. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I'll talk fast, not too fast to where it can be understood. Um, I wanted to hear here my sister just before then, um, and, and, and really to say really the same thing. We need to, I feel like it just has to be just a submission to the Word of God. He clearly says he works all things after the counsel of his own will. I don't even really understand. Personally, I don't bear witness that this is the right result. I really don't. But that's not my point. My point is what I do know is God works out everything after the counsel of his own will. And if it's not, if they did take it, then certainly that didn't happen under without God's watch. And, you know, we know that the rise of the Antichrist, we're not calling Biden the Antichrist. I'm not going to nobody. I don't know who it is. But the point is we know those things have to come to pass. I feel like either if Trump is not supposed to be in there or, you know, if he doesn't, then God accomplished his purpose. He did this with Israel. He accomplished his purpose for him as uh, president. And then the other things are going to go forth. But the, the point is not what you think about it. It's we have to remember he works all things after the counsel of his own will. And I also am a, a, a woman of color. Um, I never did believe in we, we vote Democrats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, hey Monique, listen, we got we to gotta break right here. But you got the message out. You were able to get it in by talking fast. But clearly... Understood every word. Thank you, my sister. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Let me, let me reemphasize one point here. I do not believe in passivity. I do not believe in just sit back and whatever happens, happens. And that's certainly not what my sister Monique was saying. What I believe in is that we do what we know how to do. We vote. We advocate for positions that we believe are important, right? It could be something happening in your school system, in your city. It could be happening with, with something that's going to affect the, uh, the poor, it could be something that has to do with pro-life issues, but you, you, you vote, you advocate, and then you pray and you cry out for God's best. I, I don't specifically pray for candidates or parties. I pray for God to have his way and God to, to work. There has been massive prayer for these elections. It's continuing. It's still continuing. I mean, many say, what, what are they even praying about? There are many that are still praying. I am absolutely confident that we will have the outcome that is an answer to our prayer. It may be what we like it to be or what we don't like it to be. But we have prayed and cried out to the God who rules the universe. America is, is a tiny little part of the universe. Okay, The world is a tiny part of the universe. 
Yes, God has his eyes on us, all right? But we're talking about almighty God, and, and he will bring about his best will. And sometimes things go the opposite of what we want for the short term, so they'll go in a better way for the long term. The kingdom of God is going to continue to advance. And I've seen more signs of revival, more signs of churches waking up, more signs of the gospel going to the streets through COVID and even the protests and the riots than I've seen in years without this. God's a redeemer, friends. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Mike in Bourbonnais, Illinois. Welcome to the line of fire. Uh, hello, sir. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. Um, I was just calling. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, particularly, I, I agree, uh, you, you put a recent article out about you know, the elections, imprecatory prayers, and, you know, I got into, uh, I was in deliverance ministries where they, they would do that. They would, you know, throw the curse back sevenfold or threefold or tenfold or a millionfold. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we can get a little carried away. It, but if we're, if we're dealing with demonic powers, Lord, bring them down, destroy them, you know, right. as opposed to people. You know, there's, there's one thing to wrestle spiritually with demonic forces. It's another thing to be cursing people. So yeah, that's, and then, that's and the concern. The logic was if they're stupid enough to do such and such, then you throw it back at the actual person, blah, blah, blah. I've come out of a lot of that because much of that was, uh, you know, very dualistic in my view. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't see in, in the book of Job, he wasn't uh, you know, binding and demons up everywhere, you know. Well, I mean, the, the thing but, is, yeah, the thing is, of course, he didn't know about a lot of what was happening in the spiritual realm. But it's the dualism, Mike, that I think we should focus on. In other words, this idea, this idea that you have God over here, the devil over here, they're kind of equally powerful, you know, the good yeah. deity and the bad deity, and we're in the middle, and we decide which way things go. And that is such an unbiblical view of things. And no, one that, a, right. you know, where is our faith in God? To, look, look, he worked in the midst of the Roman world with dictators and crazy people, you know, and men like Nero setting Christians on fire to burn them like torches, you know, to, to light things right. up at night. And, and we, in the midst no of that, idea. Paul writes that we submit to governing authorities, right? So Literally, yes, literally. That, that there's no need to go, if we agree on this, God yeah. sets up whoever rules, period. Daniel 2, God sets up the man that God wants, he will put, right? Yeah, and, and here's, right, here's the thing in the midst of it, that we are in a democratic republic, so we, we vote, we cast votes, right? So he's giving us a certain say in that, and liberty to choose bad rulers or good rulers. When rulers do evil, then we oppose the evil. We recognize they have a certain authority, but we oppose the evil because their goal, their, their appointment by God is to do good, they're supposed to oppose evil. When they promote evil, then we oppose the evil they're promoting. But we still must have a faith in God that God's kingdom can advance in the midst of it. Come on, what's the greatest crime that, that human beings committed? Crucifying the Son of God and that that's our means of salvation. So we can't get into panic about what's going to happen. If, if Jesus is Lord, I'm not in a panic. Hey, thank you for the call. 866 3 for truth. 
Uh, let's go to James in Brownsville, New York. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? I was just uh, first one to ask you, would you consider yourself a genius? Oh, that's an interesting... No, I, I definitely don't. I, I know my mind works well in certain ways. You know what I'm saying? That, that uh, in certain ways, I can remember certain things and be systematic and... And, you know, my mind is real strong in those areas. No, I, I'm, there's so many areas of, of, of weakness in my thinking or where others see things more clearly that, no, I, I just think my mind works well in certain ways, and I try to use that for the Lord. And I can assure you that if, if you asked my wife this question, she'd be laughing and saying, hey, look, you forget to lock the door. Well, you, you, you forget you, to lock the doors at night and stuff like that. <laughs> but listen, we're, you know, the one thing I, I do understand is that God's gifted me in certain ways, so I want to use those the best I can. And just like with each of us, you know, that we each have certain gifts that stand out in certain ways. What prompts you to ask that question, though, James? Uh, I, uh, I was actually uh, talking to the, uh, the young lady who, you know, uh, who uh, handles your, your calls uh, beforehand. And yeah. I was just, uh, uh, you know, asking her, you know, what if I was calling and I was a a tactical evil genius, and, uh, you know, just so if she could answer the question. But the, the original question was for you. Um, but uh, my my, I had uh, four initial questions. But I, my first question was that, and then the second one would be, um, what, what is your view on, uh, you know, the the world being uh, reset uh, in, a, in a matter of speaking? Yeah. So so listen, James. When I first heard of this, in terms of major articles. There was a Catholic archbishop, and he talked about this great reset. And I, I read this thing and what's coming with this big economic convention, and basically no one will have their own possessions and will go the way of just joint distribution and stuff. I thought, this sounds absolutely crazy. And then one of my friends, well-connected with the government, said, Michael, you need to read this article. I thought, What? And then I began to read more and more, I mean, well-known, respected thinkers. And yes, yeah, so there, there really is a globalist way of thinking. I mean, many people think that's why we needed Trump in to fight the unhealthy globalism, that there will be this attempt to, to have a great reset and to basically level things out, make it sound nice and wonderful and, and just kind of everybody gets the same and, and so on. It's, it, it is absolutely destructive and, and world leaders, government leaders really need to be on the alert to say, you know, this is not something we agree with. This is not something that is helpful. This is not a, a great reset from above and, 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 or something that is healthy. Is it going to lead to the Antichrist? I don't, I don't necessarily see that, but it's definitely... It's, it's something real. It's, when I first read it, James, to me, it was like crazy, no way. And, and then the more I read from more different people with the actual documentation where you can go to the websites and see the goals of these different economic organizations, yeah, it's, it, it's just another reminder that there is a danger of, of a one-world government rising up at some point that would be an antichrist type of government. And therefore, let us jealously preserve our individual and joint freedoms. Hey, thank you for the call. I'm sure we'll get some more questions from you in the future. And let's see. Um, okay, real quick. 
Let's got time. Let's go to Richard in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Um, appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, I had a, a question. Um, a real good buddy of mine. I mean, he was one of my best friends uh, throughout my life and everything like that. And, uh, this is a few years ago, but uh, in any case, he was diagnosed with uh, stage four ca- uh, colon cancer. So he went through all the chemo, all the treatments and everything like that, you know, kind of, um, you know, I was pretty tough on him, uh, but he's, according to the doctors, you know, he's going for his checkups and everything like that. They said, well, he was getting better and better. And, and after uh, a while, you know, they said that it looks like he was in um, uh, remission. And uh, But then he went in for another checkup, and apparently it had con- come back like gangbusters, mm. and the um, he developed the, the stage four, you know, basically was taking over all different areas of his body um, and that type of thing. And, you know, he was married, and... Um, I know it was pretty tough on his wife, too, but in any case, um, the end of it all, he just, um, he did not want to put his wife through that yeah. um, chapter again, and so what he did is he took his own life. Hey, and Richard, I, I I, I've got to, to jump get... in, just because I'm going to have a break at the end of the show, and I, I must be able to address this first. I'm so sorry to hear that for his wife yep. and, and for you and, and other friends he had, we we do not have the right to take our own lives because our lives don't belong to us. They they belong to God, especially if we're followers of Jesus. Yeah. And and certainly it is sinful for us to take our own lives. However, it doesn't say in the Bible that that's the unpardonable sin or that if you don't get to repent uh, once you start to take your life that you forfeit eternal life. So it doesn't mean that he forfeited eternal life. It's, it's a wrong decision, but only God knows what happens in someone's life at that moment.